0: This is the Out of Time Film Podcast, where your hosts, Tom and John, discuss everything from blockbuster films to TV and games like there's no tomorrow. Hello, and welcome to the Out of Time Film Podcast. My name is Tom, and as always, I'm joined with my co-host, John. Hello, how are you? I'm good, thank you. This week... John, we are talking about Ahsoka, the latest in the Star Wars Mandalorian saga, I guess. It doesn't have an official name. The New Republic shows... Oh,
1: oh, I don't know why my brain went to like the old Republic, you know, like the one—the <laughs> series that you were talking about ages ago, like the book yeah. series.
0: Oh, yeah, you mean you mean the High Republic? Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, High Republic. That was it. Yeah, yeah. This is completely in the same franchise, you know, with the Mandalorian and you know what's happening in that universe, and mm. and interestingly, we got a live action version of Ahsoka, which we saw years ago in. Mandalorian season two when she appeared. I don't know which episode, but she appeared within in the Mandalorian. So yeah, it's yeah. it's been really interesting how this is building up to here, right now, with the whole Star Wars franchise and how it's gonna be building up to the sequel sequels to The Force Awakens and everything post Galactic mm. Empire. So yeah, what do you before we get into it, what do you think overall, you know, before we get into
0: spoilers? Well, yeah, it's interesting because, as you say, it has kind of been a long time coming. We actually covered The Mandalorian Season 2 way back on the the Dark Ages of the podcast. And I remember being really excited back then. And this is similarly exciting. This is a show of ups and downs for me. But I think, like with most Star Wars shows, the good definitely shines through. But what I'm most interested about, about this conversation is the fact that, John, you haven't seen Rebels. And this no. show is very much a sequel to Rebels. And so you and know... I'm like, huh? <laughs> yeah, and, 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 Okay, I know I've seen a few episodes of Rebels
1: way, way, way back in Cartoon Network. Oh, really? And, wow. Yeah, I remember a few episodes of it. And I do remember Ezra, I do remember Sabine, I remember mm. Chopper, who was yes. a bit of a psychopath.
0: The Chopper war criminal. Did. Yeah, I remember Chopper. He He's a bit of a mad character. If you watch the whole show, Chopper commits so many war crimes. He just does murders so many times. I think the first
1: few episodes I've seen, Chopper, doesn't he destroy a droid? Because the droid doesn't want him in his company?
0: Yes, they have like a new droid and they're like, wow, this guy's really, really great. And then Chopper kind of just shoots him out of the airlock.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, he's the most charismatic droid I've seen now in the Star Wars franchise. Well, I've seen these good people, I mean, that's a different droid, I guess. But yeah, and I remember Hera, but I remember the massive cameo in Mandalorian Season 3. I forgot his name, but the Zeb. big. Zeb, yes, Zeb. I remember Zeb. But then I remember way back, there was another guy. Kanan. Kanan yeah that was it yeah I was like when I heard that name I was like wait a minute is that the guy that taught Ezra how to be a Jedi so yeah it's been an interesting show because it's very rebel law based and you Tom you have seen rebels and I'm mm. like I don't know what's happening but I'm having a good time you know just <laughs> just trying to take it in you know with everything that's happening in the show But I have a lot of questions about, you know, the show. And I hopefully, hopefully you, I mean, I was asking you, you know, the other day when Mm. we went to this bookstore and then I was like, oh, isn't there like lore about Thrawn and the rebels? And you're oh my God, I have to tell you everything I think about (laughs) it. And then you tell me about this timeline book. And it was so cool, this timeline book.
0: Yes, Star Wars timelines. I I don't have it yet, but I want Uh, it so badly. I just love the Star Wars timeline and all of the lore that goes into it. And one of my favorite things about covering Star Wars on the podcast is that you have a much more casual understanding of it, whereas I've kind of seen everything. Like, I remember when we did Tales of the Jedi, there was so much that you hadn't seen, and so you were kind of like asking questions, and that was so great. But in terms of Ahsoka, full spoilers ahead for anyone who hasn't seen it, yeah, Briefly explain the plot for those who don't know. This is a very brief plot. It says, former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano
1: investigates an emerging threat to a vulnerable galaxy. Wow, short but
0: sweet. Um, yes. So yeah, like let's just kind of talk a bit about what you thought, like, as somebody who hasn't watched Rebels or The Clone Wars, how did this series land for you? Well,
1: firstly, when I was watching the first episode, I was worried about, like, oh, is it going to be throwing me off? Is it going to be heavy lore on the Rebels' side to it? And I haven't known much about the guys' crew, and I feel like there was some emotional weight to it. So I'm like, cool reunion, guys uh <laughs> i was just like there wasn't any emotional way but there was a bit when sabine and ezra reunited and there was a lot of bits where you know you could see some bits from rebels you know how they all just banter each other or you know with what was the robot called Hu Yang. who young yeah it's interesting how i don't know much about these characters you know, I've seen them in a few episodes and ads and they just have this crazy crew of a bunch of Rebels and I just feel like, wow, this is a great team that works together and I haven't seen much of it. I enjoyed it, you know, you could see that this is a great crew and there was a lot of stuff that happened in Rebels that you can really see within their character dynamics and how they talk, you know, what they're talking about in the past and a lot of things with Edward and Sabine. I know they had to give a look of- context in the episodes you know like introducing Sabine or introducing Hera or Chopper, the mad droid and it was a good story to go through. And one thing I didn't know going into Ahsoka was about with Ezra and Swan. Is it true that Ezra and Swan were stuck on this planet like 10 years or something? Yeah, it's something like 10 years. Yeah, maybe even 11. I just feel like there was a lot of stuff that could have gone through in that time. But, yes. you know, okay, how did Ezra and Thrawn end up in this planet. Okay, so
0: basically, Thrawn had Ezra's home planet Lothal under occupation, and the rebels were trying to reclaim the planet, and Ezra goes onto the Chimera, onto Thrawn's flagship, And Thrawn thinks that kind of he's won, but it turns out that Ezra has summoned the Pergil, these space whales that we met earlier in the season. Oh, yeah. uh, Back in season two. So then in season four, when he summons them, this is something that Thrawn can't quantify. They all come out of hyperspace, take the ship and then go off randomly as we find out to a whole different galaxy to Peridia. And, and yeah, oh. and basically, you know, the ghost crew have no idea where he's gone. He just kind of leaves them a message being like, I'm sorry, I had to do this. Sabine, I'm counting on you. And Rebels ends with sabine meeting ahsoka at the mural which we then see in ahsoka off to go and find ezra so kind of like the cliffhanger of that show is ezra's out there somewhere i need to find him and then we kind of get that in this show what i think is interesting about this show is that it's difficult for people who haven't seen rebels to get into it but i really liked how they personified a lot of the characters 10 years later yeah there's great moments like with Hera where the whole time she's kind of got this kind of stoic general persona. But there's moments like, you know, when she's talking to the council and she will kind of break and be emotional about Ezra because, you know, of how deeply she cares. And I really like that kind of stuff. And I think that the heroes of this show are really, really well developed and well explored i love the idea of sabine because obviously you know she historically is a mandalorian and there was never in rebels there was never any indication that she might be a jedi the most that we get is there's an episode one of the best episodes of the series called trials of the darksaber where sabine has come into possession of the darksaber that we see in the mandalorian and she has to train with it so she can free the mandalorian people and while she's training, Kanan tells her that the Force, you know, it resides in all living beings and how it's not just about what you're born with. It's about the skill that you have and how in tune you are with the Force. I like how this show represents that, how it shows that you're not necessarily better or worse. Anyone can kind of be a Jedi. I love that exploration mm. Of, mm. Of, of what is and isn't a Jedi yeah, you can see that, you know, with the training and
1: Ahsoka's worried that she could turn something really dangerous. You know, if she learns the ways of the Force, and also she doesn't have that whole thing with Anakin happening over again, and she's worried about that. And I'm glad they explored that as well. You know, like with Ahsoka worried that all of this happened again, and maybe Sabine might turn into something dangerous. But you see that arc with that in world between worlds. And now there's another question for world between worlds. Okay, it's not time travel, but what is essentially World Between Worlds? Is it something that is just one continuous stream of a timeline? And can a
0: character appear in that? And doesn't it have any consequences on that timeline? So it's kind of a difficult thing. What we see in Ahsoka, that isn't Ahsoka being thrown through the timeline. That's her being given visions. So what we oh, see visions. isn't Ahsoka. Okay. Go- she's not going back in time. She's just re-experiencing things that is triggered by Anakin's Force Ghost. That's how I understand it. The World right. isn't, okay. isn't time travel. You can't just go back and change things. In yes. Rebels, what we see is that Ezra is guided by Morai. You know, right at the end of Ahsoka, Ahsoka yes. sees this kind of owl. Oh, yeah, yes. the
1: owl. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah.
0: That's Morai. And Morai is Ahsoka's connection to this godlike being called the Daughter, who is the personification of the light side of the Force, which she meets in Mortis. You might remember at the end, Balen is stood on what is oh, essentially Argonath, yeah, from Lord of the Rings. And there are three different figures one of them is headless one of them has his arm outstretched and there's one to the left of the other one that's the father, the son, and the daughter. The son's the dark side, and the daughter is the light side, and the father is the balance between them. In the Clone Wars, Ahsoka, Obi-Wan, and Anakin get stuck on their realm, which is called Mortis, in which we see that Anakin is the balance, and Ahsoka almost becomes connected to Morai. So throughout Rebels, we also see Morai, who is the kind of personification of the light that Ahsoka is tethered to. So Morai, in Rebels, opens a portal, which means that Ezra can save Ahsoka from almost dying at the hands of Vader. So it's not time travel. It's kind of, I believe it's like a closed loop. Like what always, like loop. Ezra always saved Ahsoka. He didn't go back and change it. Ahsoka is a very interesting character because what we saw of her in The Mandalorian and in the Book of Boba Fett, she wasn't like we'd ever seen her before. She was kind of emotionless and yeah. a bit cold. And that's not at all what we know Ahsoka to be. And what I love about this show is in episode five, where she kind of goes in this spirit journey, which we kind of explore what has she been doing? She's gone through so much. She went from leaving the Jedi Order to Order 66 to living on the run and then discovering what happened to her master, the one person who she kind of thought was always be there for her. She finds out that he's Vader and she almost dies at his hands and then again has to live as one of the last Jedi. And she's rejecting this kind of responsibility. She doesn't want to train Grogu. She doesn't want to train Sabine. And she's just wrapped up in this fear of what could happen. The cycle of Anakin and Vader. Huyang even says she comes from a long line of unconventional Jedi. Anakin became Vader and before Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Dooku. Dooku is another fallen Jedi. She comes from this line of Jedi who are not only unconventional, but are prone to falling to the dark side. And in Mandalorian, she says that she's seen what these emotions can do to the best of us. She's scared of that. And what she learns in episode five is not to be scared and to live. Anakin teaches her I'm going to teach you live or die and it's a simple thing but she's learning not just to survive not just to do the bare minimum but actually to live and after that you see the change she becomes Ahsoka the White again there's a lot of Tolkien imagery in this show there's a lot of kind of Lord of the Rings influences Gandalf the Grey Gandalf the White Ahsoka the Great Ahsoka the White Ahsoka becomes Ahsoka the White and she is reborn she is literally baptized and she learns to live again and to smile and to not take everything as seriously seriously and reframe her perspective in the first half of the show all she cares about is the fact that thrawn might return but at the end she realizes that what is more important is that ezra gets home sabine at the end is like ah oh, thrawn escaped and so like yes but ezra got home and that's what matters because she regained that light in her life and through that she can become this light side and what i love is that final shot of the show where anakin's force ghost is looking on at her and is smiling because he knows and he's proud of her, of what she's managed to accomplish. And that might not be her journey done, but she has managed to defeat her demons. And I loved that. I don't know what to add about this whole show. I saw it was what you said, everything.
1: Yeah, she had a great character arc. And what I've seen glimpses about Ahsoka and what she's been through, I really like that whole sequence what she's been through you know with mandalore and what she's been through with anakin and it really gave the that emotional weight of like oh this is what ahsoka is and i really like how the shows and really throw you off a lot of the times sometimes it does like with some stuff that happened in rebels maybe with swan and Ezra. But mostly, I was just intact with, you know, what's going on with the story. One thing that really got me interested was, like, what you've been saying about this law, about the father, the daughter, and the son. There's a lot of interesting stuff in Star Wars that I haven't even explored. When I was asking the other day about, is there any unknown stuff about in Star Wars? Is there anything that is kind of mysterious or that hasn't been explored? And the one thing you said, oh magic. There's magic in Star Wars that hasn't really thoroughly explained. And funny enough, in this show, we do explore a bit of magic as well. With the I forgot the name of them. They are The Night Sisters. People. The Night Sisters. Yes, I remember the name now. I was like, oh, magic. You know, this is a Star Wars universe. You know, anything could happen in this world. And one thing I didn't know, there's like, I mean, you got the force, you got everything, and magic. It's interesting how they implement this magic with night sisters. I do have some questions about that, but I don't want to waste out. Like this is going to be a Q and a, but you like, so Tom, what do you think in the entire lore of Star Wars? Where, where do you think it began? <laughs> it all know, started uh, a long time ago in a galaxy far, oh, far away. Oh my God. Wow. This is a great introduction to your memoir. I don't know. Is there something that was explored in Rebels or
0: was this not, was this like the first time that it appeared here? No, in... no. no we've, we've seen the Night Sisters in the Clone Wars, in Rebels, and in Fallen Order as well. So you remember oh, Mary?
1: Oh, yeah. She's like the
0: final Night Sister because the Night Sisters are all. Massacred in the Clone Wars and so there's oh. only a few of them left so you know we see morgan elspeth who was obviously from the mandalorian she's an interesting example because she's not actually dathomirian she's human and so she's a human night sister which is interesting and then we have the the great mothers who are much more kind of mysterious and what i love about this show is that it has opened up the star wars galaxy to something that i never thought we would see which is a literal other galaxy we cool. are taken to paridia which is this fantastical place it's dark and terrifying and there are the nodi and the the Howlers and the night sisters and like, the Terrifying Castle and one of the things that I love so much is the idea of what's going to happen in the future. As I say, we see Balin right at the end looking at this light in the distance with this Lord of the Rings style statue and it's like, this is very, very interesting. Where are we? Are we literally on Mortis? Like, is Pridia actually this kind of place where the Force is super strong? Like, that is all really, really interesting. Interesting. Um, which kind of brings me to one of my criticisms of the show and this is a criticism that I have with most Star Wars shows apart from Andor and the Bad Batch. Andor, Wars and Clone yes. Wars. Oh, it, 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 Andor. It's, it's just the Sorry. fact that these shows are too short. Eight episodes oh, is just yeah. not enough to fully explore what they want to explore. We take five, no, we take six episodes before we get to see Prydia, and there's a lot of important character work done in there, but also we only have three episodes on Prydia, and there just isn't enough time. I love Thrawn. Thrawn is one of my favorite characters. I love him in Rebels. I just reread the original canon Thrawn trilogy of books by Timothy Zahn. I oh, hope cool. that he does another one about what Thrawn and Ezra have been up to. That would be great. But yeah, great trilogy. I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed him as a character. Lars Mickelson is such a fantastic actor. I'm really happy that he came back to play him. You know, his music is fantastic. His voice is fantastic. His look is fantastic. We just don't really get a sense of Thrawn as this threat in this show yeah I felt just disappointed I didn't feel like he truly felt threatening there was only one moment which is right at the end just before he's going to leave and he's like now you see Ahsoka Tano, I have won and maybe that'll bring you some sort of peace knowing that in the end you could never have done it and it's like wow that's actually kind of terrifying but then like he doesn't really get a whole lot to do because he's only really in it for two episodes like what did you think about Thrawn being this big villain as I was asking questions to you way
1: back about and I had so many questions. Because I haven't seen Rebels, but one was an interesting character that I heard about but here, yeah, I agree, like, the episodes, I wish there was more exploration of these characters that appeared in Star Wars, you know, with Grand Admiral Thrawn, you know, like, I've seen glimpses and Rebels, and he was genuinely terrifying, you know, he was just so smart and cunning, and, you know, he was just really this villain, I'm trying to say what a villain is, but, you know, he had that strong presence in Rebels, and here, I wasn't really... Like, you know, when a villain has a strong presence, yeah, you didn't have that threatening war about what Swan is and what he's been through. And I wish there was like some sort of other stories about Ezra and Swan on this planet, like, you know, in the 10 year thing, you know, other stories that happened between
0: them or... No, we haven't had any of that yet. And what I think they should do and kind of what I think they will do is I think they should get Timothy Zahn to write another trilogy of books so currently in canon he has you know the regular Thrawn trilogy which talks about Thrawn in the Empire and then there's the prequel Thrawn trilogy which is about Thrawn in the Chiss Ascendancy which is the kind of empire of his species and then I think we should get a trilogy about him and Ezra because you're right there's a lot to explore there and one of the things that it suffers because we don't have enough time in the show is the villain's and I just think in general the villains fell flat. You have yeah. Balin and Shin who are so fascinating. And there's this really interesting thing that Balin has. I mean, Balin, Ray Stevenson is fantastic. His presence Uh, is so beautiful and he holds such weight on screen and the fact that he's passed away and we will never be able to see him carry this character to the end is heartbreaking. But he really did leave a mark on this series, even if I did have my qualms of his character. I wish that he was explored more. The idea that he still likes the idea of the Jedi and he wants to kind of stop this cycle of violence, this cycle of power. He's almost like the reflection of Ahsoka. Ahsoka also wants to stop this kind of ongoing cycle of darkness. Darkness, but Balin is going about it the wrong way, and the way that he treats Shin versus how Ahsoka treats Sabine, they kind of almost go opposite directions. Where Ahsoka becomes warmer towards Sabine, but Balin becomes colder towards Shin. And can I just say that Shin and Sabine, they are so gay for each other. Like, come on, come on, guys. We, we the need to. Star Wars PR team, <laughs> literally
1: hinting this you know have exactly you have you seen that clip you know like they look yes.
0: each other and it goes yes. closer and closer literally come on. literally come on
1: what are they come on come on come on we're here for it come on
0: yes it's like I don't think they'll do it but I want well, it they so won't. bad they because but... the, every time they have a look it's like come on come on and come then I'm stuck on, on pretty every together. time they fight yes
1: they are literally fighting each other but it would be interesting where they're gonna take with that relationship between mm. you know Sabine and Shin. But yeah I agree there was more exploration between Balin and Ahsoka. What was Balin like? I wish there was strong characterization, you know, like Mm. motivation and something that maybe that can help us, we know, with backstory. I mean We have enough backstories of Order 66 that could be lasted up for two hours now with everything (laughs) that happened in Order 66. I
0: mean, I think that Tales of the Jedi would be a really good example. If we do a season two of Tales of the Jedi, let's have three episodes about Balin. That would be a really, really interesting way to take it. There's always more to explore in many areas of Star Wars. One thing I like about this is that in the episode where Ahsoka goes on her spirit quest, we are confronted with the fact that Ahsoka really was a child in a battlefield you don't really feel that in the clone oh, yeah. Wars, but we literally get to see that one actress who is fantastic and you know, she's in barbie and infinity war she, she's she's amazing and she plays young ahsoka does a really good job of it but we, we really get to confront the fact that she is a child and we see her with the clones and feeling responsibility on ryloth and you know we see hayden christensen with the clone wars outfit on which is so good and also one thing as well is that Ryloth is an important is a really important planet on Star Wars. So that's where hair is from. And that's also where oh, um, there was right. a, so you know, kind of a bit of a spoiler here. But there was a really big death in the Clone Wars on Ryloth. And that was of I'm a Gundai. And if you listen to our other episodes of oh Star Wars, my you'll know God, that you know that I'm a Gundai.
1: You had to do it. Oh
0: my god! That's my glup shitto, folks. I will bring him up every time we talk about Star Wars. Yeah, I'm a Gundai died, and I feel like it would have. This show would have no, been a ten out of ten. He, he actually
1: died on that planet. No. Yeah, you, ge- genuinely.
0: Oh yeah, yeah, genuinely. God. This show would have been a whole lot better for me if I'm a I am. I knew you were going to say I'm a Gundai say...
1: somewhere. <laughs> every time we do a Star Wars episode, you would always, always mention I'm a Gundai, and it never fails to amaze me.
0: Oh my god! I have to. I made it. I made a promise, John. Oh but God. seriously, though, like, there's so many great elements to the show. You know, the music is fantastic. I think there's some really great action oh, throughout. Oh,
1: music's fantastic, yeah.
0: Yeah, like, the Kynas, Kevin and Sean and Dina, Kynas, who all do the score, are just insane. They did all the animated scores as well. So, like, you oh, know, they cool. really bring a, a cool kind of sense of continuity and with all the leitmotifs. I love that so much. And one thing that I really did like as well was all the castings. For animated characters going to live action, is difficult because the animated characters are so well done. But Natasha Liu Podizzo as Sabine and Mary Elizabeth Winstead as Hera and Iman F. Svandi as Ezra. Oh my god, they were incredible, especially Ezra. Iman F. Svandi just absolutely slayed. He was incredible.
1: Yeah, I agree with how they completely just turn that into live action. Yeah, as you said, it's very, very difficult. Into something that you know, how do you continue a story that was completely animated for seven seasons and then Rebels as well? And you know, how do you go into that with live action? But yeah, you got amazing actors, you know, with Mary, Man, and Natasha. You know, it's really interesting how they've done it and how they really personify those characters. I briefly saw in Rebels, and they've done it really well. And that must be a really huge task for them to do.
0: There's some really funny moments with Ezra, like after he is found, there's just these really, really great bits where like, there's one bit where like they're all about to shoot him. And he's like, wait, wait, we could we could we could talk. We could talk. Or maybe you want to take us as prisoners, as prisoners. And Sabine's just looking at him like, what are you on about my guy? And he's just (laughs) I absolutely love him. Again, he is perfectly cast. I love, yes. you know, his positive outlook. And again, he is a really great personification of what a Jedi should be. I love him. And there's that great moment where Sabine tries to give him his lightsaber and she's like, hey, do your thing. And he's like, what? No, I don't need it. The Force is my ally. And that's like, fantastic. I actually wish that he didn't then build a lightsaber because I oh, love yeah. the idea <laughs> he of, of, he of a Jedi.
1: build a lightsaber. <laughs> he's like, I've got the Force, don't worry. And he just builds a lightsaber. That's a
0: really funny moment when Ahsoka uh, says to Sabine, she's like, you know, Sabine, being a Jedi isn't just about a lightsaber. Being a Jedi is something more than a lightsaber. And then Ezra's like, hey guys, look at my new lightsaber. It's like, <laughs> God damn it. I feel like sometimes Dave Filoni would have benefited from other writers on this show because oh, yeah. you know, he, he's got a lot to say, but maybe he needs some people to kind of iron out some of his opinions as well. But then again, I do feel like there's a lot of really good creative input on this. I yes. do still have problems with the volume. I wish the volume wasn't used so much. However, the direction in this show I thought was really strong. I was especially happy with Peter Ramsey in episode four. He's the director of oh, the first yeah. Spider-Verse. So, I mean, come on, Spider-Verse. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. And I think Dave Filoni and Steph Green and Jennifer Getzinger and Gita Vasant Patel and Rick Famuyua, they all brought some really nice direction. I feel like there is still clunky elements, but it looks a lot better than some of the other live action shows we've had. Again, it's no and or, but still, I feel like a lot of these elements did really work for me and... I feel like we are lucky to get this kind of show that kind of explores the mystical side. And then we get a bit of exploration of the almost Western and kind of pulpy side with the Mandalorian. And then exploration of the political side with Andor. We just get different things with every Star Wars show. And I really, really appreciate that if anything else, I love that this show gave me something new and it's opened up the galaxy, the Star Wars galaxy to some really, really interesting new avenues. I really hope yeah. that we get an announcement for season two because, oh yeah, my God, there's some really, really exciting stuff that could happen.
1: Yeah, new possibilities that I'm excited to see and I should learn or explore the Rebels and the Clone Wars side mm. too, as well. Hey, as maybe, as maybe, maybe we'll do Rebels on the pod at some point. Yeah, I'm happy to do that because it's really interesting. So, yeah, I enjoyed the show. You know, there was some good stuff, but you know, as you said, it was a bit clunky. There were some strong things about masters and apprentices, you know, like this continuous cycle of violence as well. So it's really interesting what they've done. That's, yeah, I
0: mean we I mean fun. we're building yeah. up to a movie now. They announced at Sauras Celebration that these shows are gonna culminate with a movie. So we'll see oh. how all that goes, I guess. Um oh. so yeah, Ahsoka, what are you gonna give it out of ten?
1: I'm gonna give it a seven.
0: Yeah, I agree. I go between seven and eight. I think once we know where this is all going. I will decide whether it's a seven or an eight, but I think right now I agree with you. I think it's a seven. Thank you everybody yeah. for listening. If you're listening on YouTube and you liked it, you can like and subscribe if you want to see more. And if you're listening on Spotify, you can follow and give us a five-star review if you think we are worthy. Next week, we'll be doing Wes Anderson's Roll Doll shorts, including the wonderful oh, story of Henry yeah. Sugar, The Swan, The Rat Catcher, and Poison, all of those short films which are all on Netflix. So definitely go and watch them. And I'm really excited for that. And you can send us an email, at, g- at gmail.com. Let us know your thoughts on the Wes Anderson roll doll shorts and ask us any questions and we will answer them right here on the podcast next week and you can follow us on instagram Alstein film Policy, incredible thumbnails from zayn afsal on twitter for more thoughts from me and tiktok see edited clip Twitter also on instagram reels and youtube shorts and you can find links to all that in the description below thanks to l jones mayor for the excellent theme and Renan phillips vocals as always and i think that is everything yeah that's about it that's ahsoka take what you're giving give nothing back goodbye goodbye